with the warmer weather, as the days are getting nicer and nicer, and we're thinking maybe ahead toward days without school and sort of a summer break, I can tell you uh, that parents have never, ever been looking forward to summer break like they are today. <laughs> um, it's just speaking from personal experience. Um, the, uh, it reminded me of something that has been happening for many years within our home. Uh, every summer break, uh, we have swim lessons. And if you've, you know, are familiar with the pool, uh, you understand there's two basic parts to the swimming pool. And the two basic parts are, uh, first, there's the shallow end. The shallow end is where you kind of go in to learn. It's where you step in to the uh, end and you're looking and you're learning and you're seeing everybody else swimming, but it gives you familiarity with the, um, gives you familiarity with the pool, with the water, and you're, you're learning how to do it. You're learning how to do uh, the water, but you're just dipping your toe in just a little bit. Now, uh, the, the other part of the pool is the deep end, right? And that's where it gets really fun, right? That's where your advanced swimmers hang out. That's where you, you uh, uh, do the dives off the high, high rise and you, you uh, do the flip turns and you do, you know, the, the fun part of swimming. I have two children and, and both uh, of them are at different ends of the pool these days. And as I think about uh, your, your swimming, I also think, that experience is very much what happens in faith. I mean, really, when you, when you step into uh, the waters of baptism, you begin your journey with Jesus. But, but the journey doesn't just finish right there. I mean, really, you're just getting started. You're in the shallow end of faith. And, and that's just the beginning of this journey with Jesus. As you want to move from the shallow end of your faith into the deep end of your faith, you know what's critical? You know what's key? Well, we're going to talk about that this morning. It is the the key of loving others. That's what we're talking about today as we as we think about what it is that makes us grow in faith and mature in faith and really get to the fun part of faith. How you do it, I'm convinced, is by learning to love. In fact, I'm convinced that's the whole journey of faith. That's what it's all about. And Jesus said the two greatest commands are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's what his goal for us is to learn how to do that, how to love him, which is not hard to do, uh, you know, after you consider his grace and his mercies through Jesus Christ. But loving others, well, that can be a little harder. But the reason that that's harder is because people are involved. <laughs> but when I'm convinced, when you learn to love people, you begin to learn to love as God loves us. Loving others is the deep end. It's harder. It's arguably riskier. Uh, but it's much better than staying in the shallow end of faith. You see, the deep end is, is worth it. Love is, is not easy, but it is worth it. In fact, Jesus said from the scripture that was just read, if you want to open your Bibles, if you're following along at home, John chapter 13, verse 34, uh, Jesus said, love is the measure. Love is the measure. I, I, for just a moment, want to you know, show you this tape measure. I don't know if they can zoom in on this or not, but this, this is a standard, okay? 
This is a little church tape measure. We have it around here. And, and when Darylin or somebody is doing a project or, or building something or needing to, to move a piece of furniture, we go get this measure to, to tell us what we need to know. It's a standard, you see. Well, it, 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 imagine for a moment what confusing times it would be. And if you went to Lowe's, which apparently... That's the thing to do. Apparently, the entire world is going to Lowe's. <laughs> um, imagine the entire world going to Lowe's for, for a tape measure, and every single one was different. What would that look like? The houses would look <laughs> really strange. All of those projects you're working on at home eh, might not go so well if we had different standards for every single tape measure. What do you think of when you think of the measure of faith? You know what Jesus said the measure was? You know, he didn't say it was baptism, believe it or not. Jesus didn't say that the measure of a disciple was a cappella singing. And, and by the way, thank you to our singers, again, doing a great job helping us worship. But, but Jesus didn't say that was the measure. Uh, it wasn't taking communion like we're going to do here in a few minutes every week. You know, it, it, it's not that. It's all these things. That, if someone were to ask you, well, what makes you a Christian? And Jesus told us. He said, there's one thing that is the measure by which you call yourself a disciple. And it's this, John 13, 34, 35. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. You think about that? (laughs) Jesus said, there's one standard for knowing a disciple of Jesus, and it's if you love one another. Jesus said, love is what would set us apart heart as his, that we would be known by our love. The the, the defining characteristic of one who follows Jesus is not whether they do all the right things, but whether they are the right kind of person, whether they act in the right kind of way. Put succinctly, you can't claim to love Jesus and be a jerk. Jesus, or John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 21, uh, 20 and 21, rather, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's a pretty good measure of your theology, if you think about it. I know a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to get this, their perfect understanding of God and His Word. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus said the best measure of your theology is how you treat people. How you treat your spouse. How you treat your kids. How you treat your coworkers. How you, how you treat the, the cashier in line. That's the best, best measure of your theology. People see you loving one another or just saying that you love people. You see, there's a difference. Here's the problem. I'd like for you, I I know I can't see you, but I'll just trust that you're going to do this. Um, And maybe there's already been some elbows flying this morning, but would you just humor me? And I'll just include everybody in here. Raise your hand if you've ever, ever been a jerk. Okay, most of you are honest people. <laughs> we, we've all been there. I hate to testify to my own jerkiness. I'm a preacher. You know, I, I can put on a smiley face, but 
But you go ahead and ask my wife. You text her right now if you got her number. And she'll testify. Oh, yeah. You can ask my kids. Yeah. You can ask my coworkers. Yeah. You see, that's the thing. When Jesus says, love others when they're unlovable, the reason why that matters is because if we're honest, we've all been there. We've all been a jerk. When you realize your own jerkiness, it should humble you, make you a little less egotistical, a little less arrogant, a little more patient, a little more kind, and a whole lot more loving. Here's the good news. You can put your hands down. Well, that's not the good news. The really good news is this. Turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love what the ESV says. God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe the message would say, God loves you even when you were a jerk face. Oh yeah, he does. He absolutely does. He certainly knows you at your best. And he obviously knows you at your worst. But here's the cool thing. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. We don't have to be good enough. There is nothing you can ever do to make God love you more or less than he does right now. And that includes this past week when you were a jerk to your spouse and a jerk to your kids and a jerk to your coworkers and a jerk to people driving down the road and a jerk to people who weren't wearing their masks and just a jerk in general. This is good news for the jerks out there. And by the way, that's you and, and me too. The good news is God loves us in spite of our jerkiness. But this means something for us. When we become aware of the problem, and the problem is us, and we become aware of the good news, and the good news is uh, Jesus and, and the love that God's shown us even in spite of our jerkiness, you know, here's, here's what that does. Love becomes the motivation for us. 1 John chapter 4.19 says, We love, if I can get there, 1 John 4.19, We love because He first loved us. You see what he did there? We love, not because God waited around until you got your mess cleaned up and then came to him because you were perfectly ready. No, no, no. That's not how God loved you. God loved you in spite of yourself. Isn't that cool? And when you think about that, that's that's how God calls me to love and you to love. You've got to love your parents even when they're being a little cranky. I wouldn't recommend calling them jerks. That, 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 that would not go over well. You've got to love your spouse even when they're being jerky. Why? Because God first loved you that way. You've got to love people who aren't doing things the way you think they ought to be done. Because God loved you that way. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14, the Apostle Paul speaking to a church that really struggled with a lot of things. But you know what they chiefly struggled with? They chiefly struggled with a lack of love toward one another. 
Oh, there was a congregation that had uh, uh, Lord's suppers, but those meals weren't, <laughs> they were just chaos. You know why? Because they didn't love each other in the way that God truly designed and wanted them to love each other. All of the problems that they had were rooted in their lack of love. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all you do, let all you do be done in love. May we, may we do a, a little bit of a heart check with ourselves. We all know 1 Corinthians 13 because you know, this is a chapter on love. It's, it's what's read at every single wedding, right? But really, when Paul's talking about that, he's not speaking about love in terms of a, a marriage ceremony. He's talking about love in terms of a lasting spiritual gift. He says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, <laughs> I'm nothing. I give away all I have and deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. See, Paul gets to the heart of the matter. Here's a church that had everything, and yet they had nothing because they didn't have love. To put it in a Northside context, I know not everyone watching is a Northside member, but we're glad you're here with us anyway. But for Northside members, I want you to think about this. If I preach the greatest sermon, this is, this is one for Toby here. I preach the greatest sermon and, and, and just bring it with, with everything I have and it's perfect in, in, in content, in, in length, it's perfectly filmed, it, it's, it's just perfect as perfect can be, but I don't love the people I'm preaching to. That sermon was good for nothing. If you teach a Zoom class, and you get all the slides right, and you share these cool things, and, and you get all the people interacting, and it's lots of fun, and, and you're doing it, but you're, you're, you're doing it not out of love for the people you teach, or the word that you're teaching. It was nothing. If you, if you collect supplies, and make masks, and deliver food, but have not love, you're kind of missing it. If I give to missions... But I just do that because last Sunday was Mission Sunday and Mark told me to get my pledge in and, and, and all of that. But, but I have not love for the missionaries and the people that they're going to reach. Perhaps, perhaps there's a way that I can move to the deep end of faith. See, love sounds simple, but, but it's really, really not as simple. It, it, it's simple for sure, but it's not always easy. Paul says... Later on in 1 Corinthians 13, as he talks about all the characteristics, love is patient, love is kind, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it, it is not irritable, oh man, Whew, does that one cut to the heart, or resentful, oh man, love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, endures all things. But then it says in verse 8, love never fails. You believe that? I believe it because it's in his word. And I know, out of personal practice, it's true. The more that we love people the way that God loves them, the, the, the better things go in our lives. That's what Jesus intended for us, not only to be marked by his love and to be known by, by his love, but to let everything that we do be motivated by our love, not just for him but to love other people 
in the same way that God loves them. Love never fails, you see. And this, this ultimately is why love matters more than anything. It's why the Apostle John, the Apostle whom Jesus loved, wrote this in 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You see, when we love people as God loves them, we don't just say it, we show it. So think about it. The, probably the, one of the most well-known verses in Scripture, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he said he loved the world. No, that's not what it says. For God so loved the world, he wrote it down. Well, he did. That's not what the verse says. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see, when it came down to God's love for us, there was no limit of what God wouldn't do to show us that he loved us. Now, he can't make you love him. You've got to choose that for yourself. But love is what matters, and it matters not just in what we say, but in what we do and in how we live. We have a challenge. We have an opportunity this week and all the weeks, really, to love people in the way that God loves them. When we show it, when we share it, when we, when we truly love people as God loves them, it's impossible for it not to make an impact. It's impossible for it not to make a difference. It's impossible for it not to be a light in a dark world. I hope that this week you'll show and share God's love. I want to I encourage you to do that like Mike did. You may or may not know Mike Myers. Mike Myers is, uh, as a former youth minister, Mike Myers was a youth minister's youth minister. He was a guy that served at a church for a long time, for decades. But he didn't just minister to people at the Littleton Church of Christ. He ministered to people all over the world. He ministered to other ministers. He was the guy who was sort of the blazing a trail in terms of youth ministry back before every church in the world had a youth minister. Mike is the guy that, that talked and counseled and mentored hundreds and thousands of other youth ministers over the years. He blazed the trail. He and other guys like him. And, and Mike made an impact not just on his church and not just on the other ministers within churches of Christ, but around the world. It left a legacy. Now, Mike Myers was not a great orator. I mean, he, he gave a fine sermon, no, nothing wrong with it, but, but he wasn't known for his words. He wasn't an exceptional teacher. There, there wasn't anything fancy in his style. You didn't say, oh, there's a Mike Myers lesson. I, I mean, he was good, but, but that wasn't what he was known for. Mike Myers didn't have a brand. He didn't have a, a million followers on social media. He, he was not an influencer in the ways that our world thinks of influencing. But he was a, a, a dramatic influencer. He made a deep impact, not just on the kingdom, but on the world. How did he do it? Because Mike Myers loved people well. He loved people like he knew God loved him. And, and the legacy of Mike Myers is this. It's his love. 
And it's a legacy because this past week, Mike Myers passed. He, he, he graduated. He gained his eternal reward. I want to share with you exactly the kind of legacy that Mike Myers left. Holy Father, we are eternally grateful for the example that you've given us in Mike. He is and will always be that Christ-like example that we all hope to be like. Fullness of eternal Stirring in your sons and daughters Earth revealing heaven's wonders Spherical Spherical I'm reminded of the words of Paul where he said, whatever you have seen in me, whatever you've heard in me Whatever you've heard me teach and do, uh, put these things into practice. And so right now we think upon the things that are in heaven, uh, the place where Mike has stored up a lifetime's worth of treasures. Pour it out, let your love run over. Here and now, let your glory fill this house. And Father, we pray, Lord, right now that you are granting him the peace that only your Holy Spirit can give, that you are transitioning him into a fullness of your love in heaven. Thank you for doing this, Jacob. <laughs> now the world awaits your presence. And this power is within. of your Holy Spirit through the proclamation of your word to rest upon Carol, Carrie, and Amanda, and Holly, and all of his grandchildren we pray, Lord, that you would lift them up in this time of sorrow, in this time of grief. Here and now, let your glory fill this house. Help us, Lord, to have faith in your promises. And Father, help us, Lord, to have a testimony about the goodness of your love through Mike for each and every person. And may we be living witnesses of the life you've given to Mike this day. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray, and all together we say, Amen. Let our hearts continue burning. Our hearts and our prayers certainly are with Mike Myers' family in the Littleton, Colorado Church of Christ as they watched a legacy leave a legacy. And I was about to say that the Mike died, but Mike is more alive than he's ever been because of the love 
shown to him through Jesus Christ. And that hope that we have is the same hope that Mike have. And so as we are watching, I, I want to challenge you this week. Number one, may, may we as Northsiders be known by our love. May it be the measure of how people know us as disciples. May we be known by our love, not so that we get the glory, but that he gets the glory. May we love our friends and our family and our neighbors in the way that God loved us. May we love them as powerfully. And if you've been a jerk this week and you need to repent and ask forgiveness and start anew, it would be a great time to do it. And may we show and share and shine God's love in the way Mike did that for the Littleton Church, Littleton community, and so many folks around the world. May we learn to love as he has called us to love May we not forget that love is the ultimate measure. God bless you.